Welcome to Mondays with Millie, a podcast about the past with real relevance to the present day. I'm your host, Phil Cristofaro, and in this podcast series, I interview my 90-year-old mother-in-law, Doreen, who I affectionately call Millie, about her ordinary life and the extraordinary events which influenced it. Millie has witnessed firsthand some incredible things across 10 decades. This is a personal history which gives us some perspective about life's triumphs and challenges. Welcome to episode two, season five of Mondays with Millie, a very special UK Mother's Day edition. Happy Mother's Day to Millie and all the mums out there. In this episode, Millie reflects on the arrival of the workplace computer. Personal computer ownership in Britain was amongst the highest in Europe in the 1980s, and many embraced it, but not Millie. The introduction of the computer created problems in the tourist information office, and Marilyn and Millie were not on board. Millie meets Jesus, a.k.a. actor Robert Powell, and tells a lovely story about pianist Winnie Atwell. Please enjoy this episode of Mondays with Millie. In stage one, we say, nothing is going to happen. Stage two, we say, something may be going to happen, but we should do nothing about it. In stage three, we say that maybe we should do something about it, but there's nothing we can do. <laughs> stage four, we say, maybe there was something we could have done, but it's too late now. Do you, do you remember having credit cards? Because that was a really, really no. big thing. The Barclay card came in in the early 80s and Britain embraced it. Well, yes. Well, I remember not so much credit card, but getting a bank card, you know, uh, and the machines, they started the money machines, you know, cash points. And John was forever saying, um, he'd come home and he'd say, it was very embarrassing. You should have reminded me to take some money. I had to borrow a pound from somebody at work today. And I used to get annoyed and say, well, you've got your own card. Why don't you go to the cash point? And he, he, he didn't bother to take his card around with him. Now, I mean, I wouldn't go anywhere without my card. Hmm. But I couldn't get it into his head that it was his responsibility, money that he needed, out of the cash point. Not sort of blame me because... He'd forgotten to ask me for some money before he went to work. You know? <laughs> Bearing in mind, at that time, I'd been 
I was half asleep when I got home. <laughs> I used to come into the house as he left it, you see, in the morning, you know. That's before I went to work for the council, of course. Mm. It was difficult. People didn't seem to... Uh, well, when the, when the uh, um, credit cards first came out, um, I don't know, I can't speak for everybody, but we, we really stood out. We weren't going to have one of those cards because it was asking for trouble, you know. You, you, it's so easy to spend on a on a a credit card and then have to pay for it afterwards. It was quite frightening, really. Do you think that's a generational thing? Do you think people oh, yes. of your generation would have seen that for based on your previous experiences of you know not having easy access to money all the time? Do you think that made you wary, or do you think it was another any yes, other it reason? Did. And I do, and and in those days, you would never get people being so so much in debt. If you got working class people in debt, it would be perhaps perhaps they didn't pay the rent this week if they were in rented accommodation, or um, I don't know, you know, they perhaps they perhaps ran up a grocery bill at the store and then couldn't pay it off completely, as happened to us, of course, when we had the grocery shop years before. But you, you didn't get people owing thousands of pounds like they do now. Mm. It, it would uh, definitely the credit cards are responsible for that. The the nation being so much in personal debt. Well, they, so you didn't have the opportunity. There was the rise of computers. Britain led the world in computer ownership by the mid nineteen eighties, which is staggering, really. Uh, you had the Walkman, the personal, the personal listening um, device. Oh yes, I remember that. Yes, people wanted these these lifestyle gadgets, and they needed probably to you know to use the bank's money to to be able to afford them. <laughs> Thus uh, began a love affair with credit that's never really gone away. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? Do you remember yes. buying a computer at all in the 80s or was it not something that was on the list of priority things? No. No, we, we didn't have a computer. Um, they, did, they, did get, they did get them at the town hall and the, the computer room was above the mayor's parlour and um, the, the, I don't know what happened. Now, they had a water tank in the loft, you see. And the water tank burst, came through the computer room and down into the mayor's parlour. And there was an awful lot of damage. But not only that, they'd started, um, they, they'd started taking um, money. You, you paid your money and, you know, people would go and pay, pay for their, um, the rates, probably weekly or monthly or whatever. They'd go into the town hall and pay for the rates and get a receipt. Well, suddenly, it was all on computer, you see. And um, I'm not quite, quite sure exactly how that worked. But anyway, I went in this particular morning with the cash that I'd taken over the weekend, and they said, oh, we can't take your money. The computer's down. And I said, don't be ridiculous. Just give me a receipt. Oh, no, no, we, we don't give people, uh, paper receipts now, you see. 
So the council finished. This happened. It took a week to repair the computer. And the council, as far as I know, never recovered the money they lost in that week. Because some of these people, if you didn't take the money off them while they'd got it, they'd spend it. Mm. So you didn't get it. Mm. Uh, it was the most ridiculous thing. I said, you must have receipt books lying around somewhere. Just take the money and give them a paper receipt. Oh, no, no. You see, we work with the computer now. It was, to me, it was just ridiculous. So when you you talk, you mentioned the computer room. Was that that was a computer room to to set up to take payments and have a database or something, not for people to go and use the computers? Like a, oh no, no, they didn't use it. No, it was just one department that you that worked in this computer room. I I never went into it myself. I never saw it actually. I never went further than the second floor. <laughs> Did you know the computer yeah. age was upon you at that time? Did you get a feeling that computers were going to become ubiquitous? Well, they, they tried to, yes. Um, they tried to, um, it was a bit later than that, a few years later actually, when they decided that our work in the tourist office, uh, we would use compu a computer, you see. So um, they sent this man round to trained me to use this computer. And I only got one half-hour lesson because he was there for a week, but uh, for a full day each week. But I got one half-hour lesson, and after that, the bo my boss came downstairs and was asking questions, and he finished up getting my computer lessons. And I stood back and left him because... I, I didn't think it was going to work for our department, for, for the tourist office. The computer has arrived. Under a government scheme, schools all over Britain are introducing microcomputers, and they're choosing one in particular, made by Acorn. As a result, the language it uses, called BBC Basic, has become the acknowledged computer language for schools. And now parents can catch up. For Acorn have produced a micro for the home that also uses BBC Basic, it's called the Electron. It's powerful, it's versatile, and it's only £199. So now your children can teach you all they know. We had our own system. We could, if a customer came in, we could tell them on any day of the week which hotels had accommodation, what, whether they had twin rooms, double rooms, single rooms whether it was suitable for children, et cetera, et cetera, how much it cost and everything, who had vacancies, who didn't have vacancies, because we had our own system. Uh, Marilyn, that's my colleague and I, um, and we had that system for 19 years that we worked together. We didn't need a computer. And when they did, eventually, uh, they, they waited to computerise it properly till after I retired. And a week after I retired, um, I saw Marilyn and she was in tears and she said, they've taken all our paperwork away from me. And they said, the hotel information is on the computer now. So I said, well, you know, if that's the way they're doing it. 
She said, the problem is I've looked on the computer and all they've got on are three hotels in St. Anne's and 10 hotels in Blackpool. Well, of course, there were, there were hundreds in Blackpool and, and St. Anne's together. It was just ridiculous, you know. Hmm. I, I laughed at the time. So I said, so, so what have you, how are you doing it? How are you working? She said, well, what I did, I went to the rubbish dump. I knew where they'd thrown all the paperwork and rescued it. And I've got it locked up in my bottom drawer. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's what they did. But what a a ridiculous idea, you know. The resistance. It's like the the French resistance resisting. (laughs) 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 Trying to to stop change, things from changing, keep keep things the way they were. Mm. Yes, but anyway... There we are. And now, of course, they don't even have a tourist information uh, bureau in St. Anne's. Uh, you go to a counter in the public offices and they point to some leaflets and that's it. No, no real information at all. Well, you, know? you would have... At that, very sad. Well, mm. the whole thing of having people come into the, the office and being able to point them in the right direction or make a phone call on the behalf to book accommodation, you know, that would have been such a, a human touch. It's a thing people remember, don't they? And we used to get famous people coming who were coming to uh, looking for apartments and that or hotels for the season, you know. They were coming to appear in shows in, in Blackpool and um, we used to get all sorts of people coming in. They didn't necessarily want to stay in Blackpool they wanted somewhere a bit quieter, but within a short distance, you see. So we did quite quite well for providing accommodation for these people, you know. So it was quite interesting spotting the famous faces. Uh, can you remember some, some of them? them. Mm. Can you remember well, any so- names? Uh, I remember Robert Powell. Originally in an office in London was the first time I met Jesus, or I met the idea of playing Jesus of Nazareth. Um, (laughs) He played Jesus, you know, in the film. And, um, oh, he he was a beautifully handsome man. And he came in, he wanted an apartment, you see. And um, by this time we were sharing our office space. They'd extended it. Uh, and then gave the extra space, not to us, but to the Blue Bus Company. But So they sent a lady down to give the bus information. Uh, her name was Maureen. She was very nice. We got on very well. And uh, anyway, Robert Powell came in, and I was absolutely overwhelmed. <laughs> I was really <laughs> a fan. And um, I, I gave him... I found him this accommodation and he went to have a look at it and I dashed down to the other end of the office and I I was blabbering away and I said, "Uh, you'll never guess, you'll never guess uh, who's just been in. And and then I couldn't remember his name. I was so so excited. And and Maureen's saying, who, who? And I said, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) And she was Catholic. You know, and she crossed herself because I was so... And she went, Jesus. I said, yes, the real one, the real one. I meant the first one, really. 
And she went, oh, my God. And I went, he's there, he's there. And he was stood outside her window looking at this paper. And she, she hit me. <laughs> she hit me. She said, you stupid woman. That's not <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> God is coming to you. To all of you. Even the most wretched. Do not shut the door in his face. Uh, terribly excited, yeah. Ridiculous. I'm you not. know, a grown woman getting all excited about Robert Powell. <laughs> Any other names yeah. come to mind? Well, of course, there was Winnie Atwell. But Winnie Atwell was before before uh, the tourist board. It was when, when we had the shop, uh, she was a customer of ours. Now, Winnie Atwell at the moment apparently is very popular. Her music's popular in Australia. I, I heard that on the television about a month ago. She played this honky-tonk piano. Well, she was actually a concert pianist. And I believe she came from Trinidad. Uh, but she was a lovely woman, lovely. And she rented this bungalow, which was just opposite the grocer's shop we had. Um, and she, her husband, Lou, had had... Um, a heart attack so she was trying to get special food for him which she couldn't in those days it was very difficult to find different uh, vegetable spread and you know that sort of thing so John was very good about sourcing out all this special food she wanted and she became very friendly and uh, she used to bake every single day every morning she used to bake and take cakes and buns in for the the cast you know, at the at the opera house where she was appearing. And, of course, she always sent a couple of buns over for us ready-baked to have with our tea. But she was a lovely woman. And, you know, she was, she was a qualified chemist. And what happened was her father had this... Um, he, ha- he had this wholesale company. Uh, chem- he was a chemist, had this chemical company or something. And... Um, she wanted to study music and he said, no, no, you've, you've got to do something where you can earn a living. So he insisted that she took a degree in chemistry. I think it was chemistry. And, uh, and then when she got that, he would then let her go to England. to the, And she did. She went to the um, uh, Royal Academy uh, to study music, classical music. But... Um, now, I did hear a story on television. Someone was saying that, I really forget where he said she'd found this honky-tonk piano, but it wasn't the version that she told us. She told John and I that she found that piano on one rainy Sunday evening and she was travelling from one area to another to do a, a concert pianist, you know, uh, show. And she walked into the uh, walked into the ladies' waiting room, and there was this very dusty old piano in the corner. And because they were bored waiting for the train, she opened it up and started playing. And she loved it so much that she bought it. You've, you've had this a long time, haven't you? I have indeed. Well, you're going to play. It doesn't it? It does, and all the bottle stains and everything, but it still plays well, and everybody knows it. It's your own piano. 
Your special one. What are you going to play for us on that? Well, I thought the kids would like the poor people of Paris. I bet they would. It's lovely. I know the recording. Thank you very much, Winnie. The poor Thank people you. of Paris. That, that, was, that was the story that she told John and I. Oh, like. right. I think that would be the true story. Yeah, right. Of how she got the piano. Of course, it was all done up and I think it was painted white and whatnot, you know. But uh, it was left as it was, real tinny. It was lovely. In fact, I was playing her music not long ago. Um, but she was a lovely person. And she was very clever. She invented the first solution for straightening frizzy hair. She always wore wigs herself, but because her hair was very tight and curly. But um, she didn't wear a wig in the morning. She'd come across to the shop and her hair was, she looked completely different because her hair was tightly curled. But uh, she used to wear a wig when she was on her shows, you know. I've got a lovely photograph of her, actually, a signed photograph and... Also, she gave John some beautiful cufflinks. They were in the shape of piano keys, black and white piano keys. Oh, wonderful. Wow. Yes. Yes, she did. I think, uh, uh, I believe um, Chris had them and now he's, he's given them to Alex. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Wow. But she was a lovely person, really lovely person. Very, very... Um, ordinary and and down to earth you know a singer as well was she i don't really know no she she... didn't sing she just played the piano and and talked you know Mm. a little bit of banter and that but she was very very popular yeah what tv shows were you watching in the 80s coronation street and emmerdale of course but that it wasn't called emmerdale then it was called uh trying to think what it was called Emmerdale Farm, that was it. It was just Emmerdale, yes. And uh, but you know, I haven't watched, I haven't watched it either of them for the last two years. I don't know why. I, I, I think it was when I came out of hospital. I'd been in hospital, and I came out, and I suddenly lost interest altogether. After all those um, years of watching. Yes. Wow, that's pretty big. Yes, I've no idea. And occasionally I'll switch over now and I think, oh, this is rubbish, and turn it off, you know. <clears throat> yes. Strange, isn't it? <laughs> Must be old age, I suppose. Oh, I think but... your tastes are refining. Um, I think I'm getting more political and more, um, uh, I don't know. I, I sort of... Um, I get more annoyed now. I get quite irritated. I'm really a very irritated person, you know. <laughs> <laughs> do you sign? Do you sign the letters that you write into the local paper and as irritated no. from Saint Anne's and things like that? <laughs> <laughs> no. But I do shout. I do shout at the television. <laughs> Just as long as it doesn't start shouting back at you. That's the main I'm thing. I'm shouting. That's a lie. That's a lie. <laughs> And that concludes Episode 2, Season 5 of Mondays with Millie. In Episode 3, Millie talks about yet another war, and this one will play itself out on the evening news. Not quite the propaganda films of the 1940s. 
We look forward to your company again next week. with Millie is an e-learn production editing and dodgy guitar work by yours truly Phil Cristofaro vocal work by Millie's granddaughter Neve. Oh,